Welcome to Love Extremist Radio. Being a love extremist means committing to and choosing love as joyful activism. I'm your host, Ethan Lipsitz, self-proclaimed love extremist. Love can exist everywhere, and yet when talking about it, we all seem to define it differently. There are many environments and individuals to whom love seems lost or was never there to begin with. I want to engage myself, guests, and you to confront love, get to know it as it appears in many forms, and learn from others who have love stories to share. I'll focus on three frames of love. Self-love, love in partnership, and love in community. My intention is to uncover and share stories that shed light on love in new and often forgotten ways. Welcome to Love Extremist Radio. I am your host, Ethan Lipsitz, the self-proclaimed love extremist. What up, what up, what up? And we have a very, very special guest here with us today. This is Michelle Pelazon. Michelle and I met maybe three, three months ago in July at a dinner where we were both invited to talk about hemp. And... What's interesting about Michelle is not only is she an incredible woman with a background in dance and a foreground in business leadership and entrepreneurship and wellness, uh, she's currently democratizing the wellness industry, no big deal, uh, with a platform called Holisticism, but she and I are also exploring romantic partnership and an intimate relationship. And I was really excited to be on have Ex- love extremist radio with Michelle because rarely do we engage in new romance in the collective usually it's something we actually hide from our circles sometimes we let a couple friends in maybe we mention it to our parents or our siblings but in general it's something that i think a lot of people keep close to the chest and a lot of that makes sense right we don't want to look like a fool if it doesn't work out or you know we don't want to be hyping something up or jinxing it or whatever but there's also something really powerful about being public so let's let's just dig into this and see where it goes i have no idea where it's gonna go it could get weird but this is a really cool experiment in my view of being a little bit more transparent about the idea of a new relationship and two people who are just getting to know each other still um, beginning to explore and do that in a more forward-facing context. The radio. <laughs> Hi, Michelle. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you for being here. You almost made me laugh a lot in that intro. Almost was I the like keyword. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's a there's a signature <laughs> laugh that you have that's actually. <laughs> Don't don't hide that. <laughs> okay. That's like a very important gem. I'm sure you'll hear it a lot. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a gift in there. Yeah, please bring it. Um, so, I was just laughing when you talked about how we first met at like a dinner for hemp. It's the most LA me- meeting ever. Yes and no. <laughs> I think when I ask, I like to know how people meet, right? I agree, especially like in this digital age where everyone's on an app. I feel like it's like very ro- weirdly romantic to like meet in real life. Yeah, exactly. Like- well, and I'm so proud of that. <laughs> like you and I, you and I met in the flesh, having a conversation about seizures. <laughs> yeah, we got very real really fast. Why don't you tell the people how did we meet? Like what was what was it? 
Okay, well, we were, uh, uh, so our f- mutual friend, Erica, who you're much closer to than I am, Erica's mm-hmm. a new friend of mine, um, was having a dinner about talk- talking about hemp and like how to s- tell the story around the hemp industry because it's changing. You can speak much more to that than I can. Sure. Uh, I happened to get dinner or lunch with Erica earlier in the week and we were talking about work and she was like, oh, you should come to this dinner. I'm holding up my house. Um, and she forwarded me to the invite and there were like 35 people on the email invitation. So I thought it was gonna be something that I could like walk into, wave, and then like Irish exit really fast. And there were, I walked up 15 minutes late and there were like four people there and you were one of the people. That's right. And we started talking and I think I asked you what you did and you said you were a human and I like, <laughs> internally rolled my eyes and I was like, oh, oh yeah. my God. <laughs> yeah, and um, you told me you were working with sound and that is really interesting to me because I have epilepsy and I've had seizures uh, for a long time. I was diagnosed properly when I was 17, but my seizures manifest um, in audio. So before I have a seizure, I lose my hearing in a really interesting way. And I'm really like fascinated by sound healing and everything that has to do with sound and how it affects the brain. So I think I said exactly that. And um, then you were like, oh, I had a seizure today. And I was like, oh, dope, another person with epilepsy. And yeah, not, you don't have epilepsy. Not exactly. <laughs> kind of a side effect. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, a year, a bit more than a year ago, I suffered a grand mal seizure where I lost consciousness and went to um, the hospital and discovered a brain tumor. And so the brain tumor is right next to my motor strip and affects certain um, pathways that go all the way down to my right foot. And so lately I have focal seizures, which are essentially just spazzes from my knee, my right leg, basically knee down to my foot. And they could last anywhere from a minute to longer. Um, they're not dramatic and I don't lose consciousness, but yes, we, we bonded over our seizure <laughs> connection. and. I think we had a pretty cool conversation. It was like, totally. it was vulnerable, but also like, yeah, we both have that to share. And then there was also, I think there was some behind the scenes kind of like energetic curiosities. And so the next day uh, I sent you a message or you sent me one. I think we we connected. You totally emailed me first. Uh, Did I email or was it Instagram? You emailed me because I- Oh yeah, you were on the email. You asked for my phone number and I said, I'm sure Erica will put us on email. That's right. I missed the memo. That's right. And so I emailed you, and um, and uh, and I, it was just like really great to meet you. I love having our conversation. Let's chat again. I was really curious to get to know you, and you said something really warm. You you said, do you remember what you said? I can't remember. You're like my favorite part of that dinner was meeting you and your friend Jeff's entrance, <laughs> which was pretty epic. Jeff, our friend Jeff, just like rolled in and just was the life of the party immediately. He's great. So yes, that that felt really good. And we met up for coffee and you ordered a turmeric situation. <laughs> and you were so buoyant. You showed up in this white dress and I was like, oh, this is like ray of light. <laughs> Stepping into this ultra cool coffee shop in Los Feliz where everyone was like dressed in black and had thick glasses and you were like, I don't care, I love the world. <laughs> Which is very much your... It's a general vibe that yeah. I have, I'd say. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty consistent Pelazon over here. And um, it was beautiful. It was just a really cool conversation. And what I loved, what I remember that conversation was how focused you are. Like now, 
just your attention and your listening was all there. I felt like you were, all your attention was in our conversation with me. And that is rare. Oftentimes we're separated with digital devices or distractions or other people in the room or whatever it might be. And our brains are kind of processing all over the place. And to be focused with one person, almost like a meditation, which is what we're doing now, is a really rare gift. And that unto itself speaks to your character of being there, at least with me in that moment. That's very generous of you. Yeah, I, I mean, I think also, you know, I don't typically lead with the whole seizure thing. It's not like something. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> what if that was my line? Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Um, no, I don't typically talk to people about it. It's not the at the forefront of my personality or my identity that mm -hmm. I have, um, I guess, like an, a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's how you portray what you're going through either. Um, I don't try to hide it, but it just doesn't really come up to me. And so to be able to connect with someone immediately on something as serious as that, um, I don't know, it like up levels the conversation a little bit more because I think that you're, you both are on the same length of awareness um, that life in every moment is very precious mm -hmm. and also like totally meaningless. Right. And so <laughs> um, it's nice when someone else gets that and you can just be there with them and you don't have to explain or like it doesn't feel precious or like, I don't know, like utterly sweet. Like it doesn't feel like too much. It just feels yeah. like, yeah, I just want to be here with you and you totally get that this moment can't be replaced and that I, I just want to be completely present with you. So mm. also I feel like there was a very interesting curiosity between the two of us. Absolutely. Of like not quite sure if we were sexually attracted, maybe like sexually attracted to each other. I just knew that like, I remember texting you after we got coffee and I was like, I just love your energy. I don't know what it is. I'm like so into it. And I, I didn't even really want to figure out for myself if it was something that I wanted to experience romantically or as a platonic friendship or as a business relationship or whatever it might be. And I think that that's often like our first inclination is to figure out how this person fits into our life. Is this gonna be someone that I end up sleeping with? Is this gonna be my best friend and my wingman? Is this gonna be like the person that helps me get my business and my vision to the next level? Um, Definitely business, yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it was nice to be like, you know what, I'm not even gonna try and figure it out. I'm just gonna like, I, I, I feel like very rarely in my life do I do that. and that was so refreshing to be able to do that with you. I appreciate you you re reminding me of that because I felt so refreshed by your honesty and your openness <laughs> in meeting someone and then articulating that you like them whatever with nothing on it, right? It's just like, your vibe is cool. I like you. And to be able to say that authentically to someone who you don't know very well is so refreshing in a time when it always feels like there's a game to play, right? It's always like you got to hold your cards close to the chest. And yeah. like, even if you like someone, don't let them know too much because then you might seem like you want something from them <laughs> right. or like whatever. And it's like, I didn't feel, it was just so refreshing to meet a person who was not only so present, but so almost vulnerably honest and not afraid to go there. Not afraid. <laughs> and, and that just felt like, Wow, this is awesome. So it sparked off, I'd say, some like 
healthy textual banter between us. <laughs> I was going out of town for a while to meet up with my family and to be on the East Coast. And so there's kind of like, all right, see you in a month and a half kind of feeling. But we started texting and I don't remember if there were any particularly heavy texts, but I understand you were kind of trying to figure out what was going on in our texts. You want to tell the, <laughs> you have a better part of this story than I. I do. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, oh, I feel like, because I didn't know what I wanted, right? Sure. And like, I don't, I didn't want to put an expectation on anything. I'm also like, I was very consciously single. Mm -hmm. um, I'm starting a company and spending a lot of time on that. And I was not looking necessarily to be in partnership. And I also wanted to be really upfront about that of like, I'm really fucking busy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I can add another layer onto my life, but mm -hmm. I really like this person. And like, I don't know what it is. I don't know them well enough to know what it is I like about them, but I just like them. And so I kind of was like playing very platonic or like maybe more demure than I, than I normally am. And you had you'd been texting me and I, Told, was talking to my sister mm -hmm. and she's younger than me but she's like so cool she's like the cooler funnier smarter taller version of me and um she was like I was telling her that I, I met this guy and like it's a really weird situation and like we went to coffee <laughs> so and we <laughs> and like we had a great coffee but like I don't know if he likes me or like if he just wants to be my friend or if he thinks I'm weird and fascinating because like you know that's a thing too yeah and she's like you are such an idiot this guy is trying he like he likes you you're giving him nothing what's wrong <laughs> with you and I was like really she's like yeah just like text him back you're being stupid and so you know Thanks for the text back. <laughs> yeah, well, no, to be fair, I wasn't I wasn't like I had made up my mind about anything. It was more just like the curiosity remained and mm -hmm. the openness to possibility remained. Mm -hmm. And to me, I actually think in in partner and romantic love and connection, that openness to possibility is actually like the the fuel for a relationship or for a connection, even in a friendship. Like I consider a great friendship one where the conversation is never over, right? Yeah. There's never a period. It's always just kind of commas and continuations. And the same can be said about relationships where it feels open and possible and anything is possible. And so just to be in that space and have that openness was really refreshing. And also, yeah, it wasn't like, oh, I've made a decision. We're friends. Mm -hmm. We're business partners. Like we're going to put a label on this, yeah. you know? And that was really gratifying. And so... I had this wedding coming up and I've been going, you know, it's the time of life when friends get married, right? We're in our thirties, late twenties. I mean, yeah, you're, you're almost there. A youth. Yeah. We got the youth. <laughs> and, and so my friend Ali and Claire, my friends Ali and Claire were getting married in the Catskills and I'm really kind of over going to weddings alone. It's just not, I'm not that hype on it. And whether it's with a friend or with a romantic partner, it just, it's so much more fun to go to a wedding and have someone to dance with and enjoy it and, and have inside jokes. And like, sure, there's other friends, but most of them are coupled up already anyway. And so for me, I don't, I don't love going to weddings alone. It's just not my favorite thing to do. So I was going to be meeting my friend Grant, who was coming alone, but he's got a, a, a wife and baby. 
um, but he was coming alone from the West Coast. But I thought, hey, it could be interesting to invite this Michelle, who I don't really know very well at all. Um, well, first you invited me to come out for your birthday weekend. That's right. And right. I, you were, you can tell, you can tell this part of the story. Well, no, you can go you were, on. We were, we had just been kind of texting and it escalated a little bit. And I'm not really like a heavy texter. It's not my preferred, we can talk about that later, but sure. that's like not my preferred mode of communication. Yeah. And, um, you're like, how spontaneous are you on a scale of one to ten? Because we were saying like we're no, not going to see each other. It was a scale of one to spontaneous. Oh, right. <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> I messed that up. <laughs> I killed the joke. Um, we weren't going to see each other for like a month and a half, and you were going to come back after being gone for a month, and then I was going to be out of the country, and then in New York, and like right. super busy with work. Um, so we kind of were like, ah, wait, I don't want that much time to go by. And you said on a scale of one to spontaneous, how spontaneous are you? I said right. spontaneous. <laughs> right answer. <laughs> and, yeah. Right. So you couldn't make it for the birthday celebration, but you did come to this wedding with me and that weekend. And in New York. In New York. And it was beautiful end of summer weekend in the Catskills. We ended up going to Storm King and we had a beautiful weekend. And I'd say for three quarters of that weekend, it was still unclear as to kind of how things were unfolding between us, right? It was so interesting. Also because I, so we decided a couple weeks before, right? Like two weeks maybe that I was going to come out. I bought a a flight. Like you, I was going to meet you. We had only spent like an hour to two hours together maybe, right? In total. And we were going to spend this whole weekend together. And we both said like, there's no expectation for, I just want to spend time with you. There's no expectation for this. And like, we're going to have fun. Right. Road trips are fun. We were road tripping from Albany to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And like it was just going to be a good time. And right. whatever happened was going to happen. And I had kind of set myself up to be like, this, maybe I'll like, he'll make out with me and like, that's it. But like, <laughs> we'll just see what happens. Or like, maybe there we'll get there and we'll realize there's no romantic chemistry. And that actually we're both really cool people with really interesting stories. And like, that's going to be the amazing part. But, you know, we're going to have fun regardless. Right. First priority, fun. Yeah. So we're, we're telling a lot of the backstory <laughs> just to cut to the chase. The end of the weekend ended up um, becoming more um, intimate than perhaps either of us expected, though there were signals of that growing throughout the weekend um, that I think we both read in different ways. But Regardless, um, what do you, at, I'm curious to know what you mean about that. Well, when we were at Storm King, we went down to this river, and I asked, like, "How are you feeling right now?" And you said, "Oh yeah, we were like I we had w- our eyes closed by the river." Yeah, and you're like, "I want to be closer to you," and I felt that that was a, a rom- like a very romantic thing to say, and and it felt like it was more than just like, "Hey, homie," <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so that felt vulnerable and and beautiful and and really like gave me it gave me just as a in this body right it gave me a little bit of permission Mm. to be close with you and not feel like that was making assumption and and i i want to just double click on that because i think it's a really important thing that you did which is to express a kind of subtle yes which doesn't have to be I want you to touch my leg <laughs> right or 
give me a hug or give me a kiss, but uh-huh. rather I just like, I want to be closer to you. And that then gives me the the freedom to feel like, oh, all right, like, let me feel into what I want in that. And mm-hmm. also that really feels good to be, to be comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And to be a- allowed, really, because this is the time when, you know, everyone's talking about consent and everyone's talking about what's appropriate and what's not. And using language in a way that remains remains interesting and like still keeps the buzz and the vibration of romance while also communicating effectively permission is a really interesting dance and we're still figuring that out as a as a culture mm-hmm. um but so often i hear from peers oh man like asking for consent like that's like such a buzzkill you know that you can't have like a really interesting connection with someone that's like you know whatever and 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 so to me that the way that that played out felt really comfortable yeah and i think there was a point too we were we were driving a lot yeah <laughs> and uh, i was sitting in the front seat and you just rested your hand on my knee and you're like i i think i would like to put my hand here is that okay and i was like <laughs> yeah that's totally okay <laughs> got to ask for permission consensual hugs come on yeah that's real <laughs> So, so how do you define love? <laughs> um, love, I think, is our natural state. So I think when you boil everything down, that's what we are. And we layer on top of that. Um, so I think love is like a, a form of being. But I also feel love in my body. Like it's so many things, it's a verb and a noun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that love feels in me is like kinetic energy or potential energy, maybe. Maybe love is potential energy, and then like the showing of love is kinetic. Wow. So, what just I forget physics. <laughs> potential energy is like it's it's stored and it's like ready to go. Like I, I'm such a visceral person, so I'm like shaking my hands right now. Right. <laughs> this is an audio. Right. Right. <laughs> an audio program, but um, She's it's just like her hands. it's re- you can feel it in you, like ready and ready to burst. Yes. Um, and like alive, and it's energetic, but it's like um, just about just ready, ready right. to like explode or become transformed into the next thing, right? Because like potential energy can be maintained, but it also can be exerted in different ways. Okay. And what's the kinetic side? I think the kinetic is like the acting on it. I mean, it's like the physical, right? Mm. Uh, like I can't help sometimes, but like physicalize my love for people. Like I, I'll just like do a dance move or like yes. just like get excited and it's almost like I don't have control over my body in that moment. I, th- I mean, obviously love too. Like when we're intimate with people, like mm-hmm. that's that's kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. And even like, you know, if you're if you're thinking about like energy healing or Reiki or anything like that, those types of energetic healing forms, like you feel warmth often mm-hmm. as a form of energy. And I think that's like that kinetic too coming out. Like mm-hmm. that feels like love to me. So since we met. I've been receiving a lot of mail (laughs) and it's absolutely beautiful. And from the way that you're describing kinetic energy, I'd say perhaps that's an expression of that. Totally. It's an ability for you to translate that loving energy onto a postcard or a piece of paper 
with your painting and your drawing and your words and express yourself through that medium. And I'll tell you, that that stuff is deep. Like, <laughs> to receive that is so beautiful and powerful and underrated in some ways, maybe, or just... I don't know. I, I don't think it's cliche at all. I think it's awesome. I love mail. I always have. But to receive that um, and also so consistently has been really powerful. Um, and I know you've said to me before, you know, if it's ever overpowering or too much, please let me know. <laughs> and it, it hasn't been. And I could understand how someone might feel that way because they might feel this need to respond. Yeah. Right. It's almost like a text message you have to get back to or an email. Right. It feels like homework. Right. It can feel like homework. And I don't feel like your letters are attached to expectation for response. And in fact, I feel as though my responses can actually come through in different forms. So my expressions of connection and love kinetically or potentially um, are, are very much maybe getting flowers, right? Or um, cracking a joke or putting my arm around you, right? Or other yeah. things that 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 might not be um, as uh, tactile in the, in, the, in the male way. But I think that we have these different languages, right? Like love totally. languages. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, if love is kinetic energy. It just is like, it needs to come out of us in some way. And mm -hmm. everyone has their different way of expressing it or like breaking that, like getting that energy out of them. Mm -hmm. Whether it's like super physical, if you're a PDA person, or mm -hmm. I happen to be a, a pretty creative person. So it normally comes out in that way. Or if you're like a word vomit person, <laughs> you need to like tell someone you love them all the time. Right. Um, yeah, I love, I mean, I, I love writing to you and like getting to write to you and I appreciate, I'm so grateful that you appreciate it. Um, and I, I've definitely been in relationships where because I'm such a kinetic person, I also really care about people deeply. Um, and I think I maybe have like a tiny bit more energy than most people. <laughs> um, like that it can feel overpowering because I have a, like a kind of high output. Yeah. Um, and it's not like, you know, love isn't, you're not, you're not keeping a ledger. Sure. You're not like, okay, I did this nice thing for you. Now you have to do a nice thing for me and it has to be one for one. Like, right. that's not the point. Well, we were texting about this the other night, right? So started to express love with each other, you and I, uh -huh. and those, you know, high established, I love you phrasing in different <laughs> forms. And in doing so, there's often this assumption, first of all, you see, historically in my experience, it comes at the end of a conversation at a goodbye. Yeah. And there's this expectation that feels attached to it where it's like, I love you, I love you too, right? Yeah. And that happens in family, that happens in friendships, that happens in so many and connections. And it's habitual and like ho a hollow Oft sort of. It can feel that way after yeah. a while, right. And so to me, what I expressed was it's so nice to be able to not attach this kind of like habitual hollowness to it, but rather say, I want to express this in a different way or a different time, bring it up and, you know, when I'm feeling it in mm -hmm. any moment and send you a text message in the middle of the day, you know, out of the blue, because that's what's, what I'm feeling in this moment, mm -hmm. right? And thinking back of whatever joy came up in that, in that day. So I just want to um, express that, that, that feels like, like this kind of, mm, like, 
distancing ourselves from the expectations of transaction yeah. in connection. And I recently saw Tracy McMillan speak on this, uh, the writer for Mad Men. Mm -hmm. And she's talking about the difference between like a sacred or spiritual relationship and a transactional one. Mm -hmm. And so many relationships are based on transaction, whether it's I want your money, I want your body, mm -hmm. I want your stature, I want your social network, whatever that might be. I want your house. Um, and in this case, it's like, no, like we're kind of not looking at it like that. We're not keeping score. And instead we're, we're engaging, we're, we're tra tra like transferring energy in different forms. And that's really powerful. Yeah, and I kind of, I mean, that's kind of new for me. At least this feels much more like unconventional mm -hmm. in the type of relationship that I have had or the, the relationships that I see around me. And it also, to me, feels really healthy. Mm -hmm. um, I think like when people jump into intimacy, we haven't known each other for that long. We haven't really been seeing each other for that long. And so to say that is like, maybe in I have friends who waited a year to say I love you to the people that they were with, right? Mm -hmm. And I've been in that position. Yeah. And so to feel that, I felt that really early, you know, to be perfect. I don't think I've told you this, but to be perfectly mm -hmm. honest, like I felt that even in a way of like, oh, of course I've loved this person before. And of course I love them now. Like, and I can't explain that. And I was like, that's probably like not something that you want to tell the person you know, that you don't really know. Like, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's been like a, a very unconventional journey so far. So it's kind of nice to be able to like issue any rules that exist around, you know, the steps that you have to take as you get into an intimate relationship or a partnership or a loving relationship or partnership yeah. and make up the rules and also enroll the other person in like what you're thinking. Yeah. Like, I know this is typically how it works, but we haven't done anything by the rules up until this point. So like, I don't know. It's been, it's been interesting to like also be in that dialogue with each other. And in a way I kind of feel like we're moving at a very tentative pace mm. because we are kind of like checking in a lot of like, mm -hmm. is this okay? Mm -hmm. Hey, this is where I'm at right now. Like mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, and that feels really good. Like it, I mean, at least to me right now. Yeah, to me as well. And I, tentative isn't necessarily the word I would use. I would just say, um, I think of it more as savory, like mm -hmm. kind of like yeah. enjoying it with time. And and I find historically I've been in this kind of like ravenous headspace when I meet someone where it's like, oh, I just want to consume all of this person at once, like dessert, like you want to eat the whole cake. Mm -hmm. But then you feel sick after you have <laughs> that cake, right? Yeah. And to the point of healthy, right? It yeah. feels much more healthy to actually take small bites and put it back in the fridge and then come back to it later and enjoy this cake over the span <laughs> of, you know, years. We've talked about slices of pie, right? Uh -huh. Our time, we share our time like slices of pie. And so I I, I really do agree with that on the, on the healthy kind of tip and think that that's a really beautiful way to engage. And yeah, I, I don't know, tentative perhaps, and there's certainly reasons for that. Um, and then also, yeah, the, the just savory. You had something you wanna? Well, yeah, like, I would say that it's not coming from a place of like been burned before, don't wanna fuck up this time. Mm. It actually feels like a really embodied and conscious, thoughtful place that mm -hmm. you're operating from. Mm -hmm. 
And so I'm curious as to how you got to that because you're 34. You've <laughs> been in some serious relationships, right? Like mm-hmm. how many would you say? Oof. Uh, a bunch. I mean, <laughs> I'd say like four serious. Yeah, so I'm sure those didn't come without their own mini traumas or major traumas. Mm-hmm. But to be where you're at now seems like you've worked through a lot and like you've come to a really, we've talked about conscious loving and like choosing love mm-hmm. and that's kind of your jam. How did you <laughs> get to that point and, you know, get to a point where you, you do feel like you can have a healthy romantic relationship. Well, we've spoken a lot about like this feeling of upgrade. Like mm-hmm. I, when I got this diagnosis, um, I really went through a year of healing and I w- would tell some people that I'm upgrading my operating system. Mm-hmm. Literally like cut my head open, take out a tumor, <laughs> put in a better situation, right? It's like, hey doc, hook up my brain. And I'm on a new diet and all these things. And I, I, I do feel in many ways, like I've, I've learned how to be better at self-love and how to put my needs um, up front and articulate them effectively and know when they're there and also um, know how to meet them for myself first and also to ask for help and to get to that place. And that's something that was missing before. So this experience has led me to a place where I can articulate what I need to feel good, make sure I'm taking care of that for myself and also engaging my community, my friends, those who are able and willing and wanting to participate, to, to be there with me, and also give myself when I can and am able to them and their needs. And then from that place, I'm able to engage again in relationship. Um, but if I'm coming from a place of there's a missing hole or my self-love requires another person to be like, to open that up, um, which has historically kind of been the case, mm-hmm. whether I'd be willing to admit that or not. Um, it, 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 it actually feels, then it's a transaction, right? Like they're fulfilling a role for you. Yeah. And in, in this case, it's like, well, actually, no, I, I, I don't have a role I need fulfilled. My life is really dope. And anyone that's coming in is part of making, uh, is, is adding to that dopeness for the most part. Of course, we all have challenge. We all have things that we go through. And, and yet, even in working through those challenges, that journey can be rewarding and have really beauty, beautiful effects and, and, and responses. So to me, I think this, this ability, this newness, this openness really comes from this last year of going through a journey of learning how to love myself more effectively so that I can then open and create space for partnership that feels healthy and, and um, co-creative and and not oriented around power or around transaction or something that feels a little bit, um, you know, natural, but also perhaps challenging for me because I lose a lot of self in that. I lose a lot of self when I'm putting someone else before me. Well, you go, like you said before, you go into that caretaker role. Right. Yeah, and I'm naturally one of those people, or historically. Yeah. And so, and you are too. Uh-huh. And so we both have to check ourselves and each other and saying, oh, you're being caretaker, like you're, <laughs> you're enabling or, or you're supporting be- certain behavior. Maybe, maybe like, is this the most self-loving thing for you? 
you know, and and asking that question. And yeah, it's so it's such a trope, right? Like you have to love yourself before you can love other people, totally. but it's like annoyingly true. and also like you can't force yourself to get to that point if it seems to me like you kind of fall ass backwards into it um because i don't know were you like craving partnership when we met no like i wasn't the opposite right yeah i wasn't in craving really of anything i think it was just i was open and i was actually noticing how my openness like actually created this um sense i was feeling more magnetism Mm-hmm. Just as I engaged with women, and it it was just a f- energetic feeling. It wasn't like people were coming up and mag- like attaching themselves to me, but it was an energetic feeling of openness. Yeah. Um, and that that was really unique and and new. And but no, I wasn't calling anything in per se. It was more so just yeah, I'm open. Yeah. And when I mean, I does that does that openness or like not calling anything anything in or anyone in. How does that relate to your diagnosis? Like, mm. how do you think about that? Or did you think about that? I know you were in a relationship when you got sick mm-hmm. and then that ended. Mm-hmm. Did you, were you worried that like, oh shit, <laughs> like, am I going to be alone? Or is that a problem? Well, on the one hand, there's a feeling of, you know, you use the word chronic illness. If, if this is what's going to be with me through the end of life and I don't know how long that period will be um, is it responsible to start a relationship with anyone mm. because you know who knows my my days are numbered right um, which is true for all of us oh, by the way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 I've I've made a decision that I'm, I'm not gonna die of this and and that's my own choice and I'm working very hard to ensure that that's the case but I'm also trusting that that will be the case and so the diagnosis for a little while, I think it made things much less heavy in the regards to relationship mm. and also made myself more of a priority. And so, yes, I think it made, I, I had this awareness and a part of my reason for doing this show and being a love extremist was that to me, the, the elephant in the room is always love. The reason we are here, and like what you said and in the definition, like love is our essence, love is who we are by nature. The reason we are all on this planet is to vibrate in love or to to feel accepted, to feel seen, to feel held, to feel heard. And, you know, from the baddest of the presidents to the blessed of the leaders, whoever it is, everyone just really wants love at the end of the day. Mm. And... I refuse to believe otherwise. Even even those who are extremists and might be committing atrocities, they're doing it in the name of love. They're doing it from a place that they think is justified and is good. Uh, um, I was just listening to Sally Cohn speak about this um, on, on being. Mm-hmm. And I really do believe that that is at the root. And so... When I then came to this diagnosis and realized I had to direct my love on myself first and make myself the first priority so that I could engage the love I had for the world Mm -hmm. as a leader and in my purpose, like there was so much refinement that took place. I was like, okay, cool. So mortality check-in, great. That means I can't be doing anything with my time that isn't oriented around my purpose. Mm -hmm. What is this purpose that really I have? And Sure, there's this kind of contrived thing around millennials where you have to have your purpose and figure out and then be in alignment with that every day and have a reason for waking up. 
I don't want to force that on anyone. But for me, that was really helpful and staying disciplined and orienting around decisions of how I direct my attention and my intention. Mm -hmm. My intention is to spread love and joy. And I do that with creativity and art, right? And so it could be a conversation, it could be music, it could be visual art, it could be a car that I paint, it could be a conversation that we have, it could be this radio show. But whatever it is, I'm always looking for opportunities to do that. And when I became clear on that in myself, then it was like, cool, this is how I'm going to focus my time. This is going to be part of how I heal. And that is going to allow me to be in Mm self-love because I'll be focusing my life on how was your experience as a single and or, yeah, I guess like as a single person open to dating in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. how's that experience been before we met? Um, Well, before we met, I hadn't really been single for, I mean, I guess I'm sort of a relationship-y person. Oh. Uh, I I just have have happened to have long and serious relationships. And um, this like past year and a half or two of my life has been more single. Mm -hmm. I've still had some really intense relationships, but they were way more on and off. Mm. And um, for like probably, the six months before we met, I was dating a lot. I really like dating. (laughs) I think it's cool. I think it's fun to meet new people. And I love talking to people and trying to understand where they're coming from and like stretching my own emotional intelligence and sometimes messing it up and, Mm. and just understanding how lucky I am to be in the community that I'm in of like conscious people Mm. who are really choosing their lives and who want to make a difference in the world because it's really rare and I think that when you're constantly surrounded by it you really take it for granted and so when you step out of that for a second and you realize not everyone operates in that way you're like oh shit my life's dope (laughs) I'm so lucky yeah Yeah. and so um, I actually (laughs) I was I was dating a couple people seeing people in a very platonic sort of easy, easily romantic way, like not wasn't going anywhere serious, mm-hmm. um, kind of on purpose because I'm really busy with work and I wanted to be focused on work um, and on myself and I wanted to create space for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so in like, you know, probably May of this year, I just actively was like, I'm not gonna go out looking for people to date. I'm not gonna like, not that I'm ever thirsty for (laughs) partnership, but uh, just like, I'm just not gonna do that. I'm just gonna like let whatever happens happen, but I really need to focus on my work. And you kind of said like you got super magnetic and that was exactly what happened to me. I felt like I couldn't, (laughs) like I didn't do anything different. I looked the same. I probably looked worse because I was getting much less sleep and like, all this stuff kept coming up. It was it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I cleared my dance card. Right. Yeah. I, I love you. that expression. <laughs> How soon after meeting me did you clear your dance card? Which you, <laughs> you should explain. You should explain what that means. Um, I basically told everyone that I was kind of seeing or who was interested in me that I I wasn't interested in seeing them anymore, romantically. Uh, that it, it, if if we wanted to hang out, it'd have to be a, strictly platonic. Um, and honestly, that happened. Um, I think when I booked my ticket to New York, I just, maybe right after, um, I stopped going on dates. I canceled a bunch of dates before I went to New York. Wow. And then I hung out with you. And then I came back and um, I kind of just let everyone 
down easy. Mm. Um, but it wasn't even because I expected this to be a thing. I, I actually expected the opposite. I was like, oh, that was just a one time weekend fun thing. And mm -hmm. like, how beautiful was that? And that elevated the bar for me of what um, a relationship could look like and who I wanted to spend my time with. Mm. Um, and the people I was dating were great. They were awesome. They were amazing people, but like, they weren't you. Can't touch this. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> and um, yeah, they just like weren't meeting me where I, I needed to be met. And, um, and I probably wasn't right for them either, you mm. know? Um, I couldn't be like present to what they needed because I was looking for something else. And you made it really clear that that was what I, that was the type of partnership that I wanted in my life or at least the types of relationships, even platonic relationships that I wanted to have that level of intimacy and depth and also like humor and fun and spontaneity. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what I want my life to look like. I don't want my life to look boring and like everyone else's and to go in a straight line. Mm -hmm. True that. Here's to not going in a straight line. <laughs> wow. Well, I was very flattered when you told me that you'd cleared your dance card. And I also thought, <laughs> I thought that it had something to do with me. But also, like, now hearing the story, it kind of did and it kind of didn't. It was kind of like this combo <laughs> of, like, you know it what, did, like... It did. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> um, thank you. And I think that expression's dope. So, like... <laughs> Historically, right, it was, was a dilettante, like debutante, debutante yeah. tradition <laughs> is where men would write their names on a card to be in line to dance with you at the debutante ball. Yes. And to clear the dance card means basically one man. All night long. All night long. Mm -hmm. Woo! <laughs> all night long, all night. Lionel. So, yeah, I am... Um, Thank you. And that was a, re I remember telling people who, friends of mine, I'm like, she cleared her dance card for me. <laughs> what does this mean? And then people were like, oh my gosh, what? Amazing. <laughs> and so, some people knew it, got it right away. And they're like, that's so cool to say that. So thank you. That was amazing. Um, and also it was very clarifying to me as well. I, I, I do remember feeling like there was um, acknowledging some of the, the, the feminine energy around me and also wanting to um, kind of like be clear with with that and, and express to some of my friends and folks who perhaps there was a little bit more than friendship going on that, um, yeah, I wanted to focus my attention on you. And also I think you, you challenged me to, to, to do that perhaps before I thought I needed to and in doing so really? yeah how do you mean I like it felt like whoa like dance cards already clear like <laughs> wow <laughs> and then but then your logic around it was so was so on point that it was like yeah obviously you need to do that like are you kidding <laughs> because it's true like same goes for you like there's no you are you and I have a compatibility level right where it's not like there's any like weirdness or like challenge in the in the communication or the joy of spending time together. So where there was like perhaps some extra, I don't want to say struggle, but like like in incongruencies with others. Yeah. Um, with us, it was flowing very naturally, and so just that indicator alone, the key performance indicator, uh, <laughs> is enough to say 
All right, like let's uh, like come on, let, let's like give this the proper attention it deserves and focus on it and allow it to be something without distraction, right? And that then was like great, like phew, that's all I needed. But it did take a moment. I think you led the way there, and I appreciated you being again so honest with me. That's like a card that people don't usually share. I don't usually. I'm not usually that person. I never say, I've never said I love you first anyone ever. And like, I'm not, I'm always, I like have to wait to be invited. That's kind of my thing. Things work better if I wait to be invited. Like when I forge ahead, like recklessly or, you know, just like jump into something, it doesn't work out well for me. But I didn't feel that in this situation. I felt like everything was really conscious and you were giving me like subconscious cues or or like maybe not explicit like invitation, but you were like, just mm. by being who you are, it was like, oh, duh, of course I'm not gonna hang out with anyone less than this guy. Like you're gonna have to be really dope. Less than. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well that, that felt amazing. And also I think challenged me as well. So mm. thank you for challenging Did me. Did it scare you? Maybe, no, I wouldn't say scare. I wasn't necessarily scared. I think it was more so just, okay, like the period of like magnetism maybe that I was talking about was very short lived oh, and that's okay. Sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Don't be sorry. Like that's, that's how it works, right? <laughs> like you, you know, you make space and then all of a sudden things come into your, into your orbit quickly. And I think you become magnetic in other ways. Right. Like, you don't, maybe you're not like getting tons of girls hitting on you all the time anymore, but you're going to be magnetic in more ways. It's just opening up another portal of magnetism for you. There you're you welcome. Go. Thank you. <laughs> now I'm magnetizing all the money. <laughs> so, so what about performance? You grew up as a performer. You're very comfortable on stage. You're very comfortable speaking. I've seen you do that. Um, and... I'm curious about the like PDA you brought up earlier, the mm. performative aspect of this. And even you and I being on this radio show together. Well, talking, this was your idea. Oh, yeah. And I'm <laughs> I was very hesitant about it. Exactly. And <laughs> that's why I want to go into it, because I'm really hyped to be literally bringing this out and 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 being open about it and talking about how we met and mm -hmm. our feelings and, and, and expressing that in a more public way, because... I believe that partnership love can be a conduit through which collective and individual love can also shine. Um, and sometimes PDA is like, oh, that's obnoxious. I don't <laughs> want to watch these people smooch in the middle of Washington Square Park. Then the other side of it is, at, like, where is the benefit for society? Like, how can we, in experiencing and engaging in this experiment of partnership, actually spread love beyond each other? And that's really what's interesting to me about being a love extremist is it's it's not about just this is only this love's only for me your mm -hmm. love I, you know like clear the dance card nobody else can get it <laughs> really I mean not to say I'm mad about seriously, that clear the dance card yeah but seriously um, <laughs> but how do we actually like take the love transmute it or or engage it with each other and then also radiate it outwards um, both in partnership and as individuals and curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, I was hesitant. I I like to, so I kind of have a public, like. Oh yeah, you're famous. I'm not famous, but like I have um, a platform, right? Yeah. I run Holisticism and it's a weekly newsletter amongst many other things, but I send out a weekly newsletter that I write from me and I talk about my life and I 
it's not a blog, um, but it is really personal. Mm -hmm. And I also have spoken to thousands of people on the phone who are in the holisticism network who now know me personally. So to share my life with them, um, I do on through, through holisticism, through like Instagram and various other social feeds. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't really talk about my love life that much because I don't, I don't know. It's I'm maybe it's, so, it's a taboo. No, it's not taboo. I think everyone would love to know who I was dating and if I was in love with someone. So they'll be really excited to know more about you. But like, I'm so sensitive. Um, I feel things so deeply and it's, it's almost scary for me to feel those things because I know that there's probably pain on the other side at some point. <laughs> Not to be like, you know, fatalistic about it, but like we get hurt. We get hurt. That's what happens. And like, hopefully you recover from it and you can move past it and like you get stronger and things are fine. But the more I care about someone and the more I put myself on the line and and show how much I care about them and feel the freedom in expressing that, I feel my love magnifies and grows. And I also am setting myself up for perhaps more pain if it doesn't go the way that I want it to. And we know that 99% of relationships don't work out, right? Like um, the odds are good that it's going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Um, you heard it here first. <laughs> it's just math. Um, so yeah, I'm I, I, I'm nervous at first to to share that stuff. But then I think once I start talking about it, um, it's something that I can't stop talking about and there's an accountability to it perhaps. Yeah. And, and I also think that there so much of our lives we share and there's beauty in keeping something, having a secret like, yeah. and not because you're ashamed of it or you're scared of it, but just like, this is mine. This is mine. And mm. like, I get to relish in that and I get to wake up and know that like no one else really knows about this thing except for me. And that is so rare um, mm. that you have a great secret, not a bad, dirty secret, right? Um, yeah, that's true. Well, we can keep this a secret after, you know, we don't have to talk about, <laughs> we don't have to talk about it after the show goes live, like no more talking about it publicly. But, You're but, dead to me on right? social media. Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I do, I do actually take issue with the reality, like to me, the interesting story is what's going on with your heart. And you often ask me that, how does your heart feel? Right. Mm -hmm. And I take issue with this culture that actually avoids talking about the heart. Mm -hmm. I think that in this time to be expressing our love publicly and whatever platforms we have at our disposal is an act of activism, whether that's love in partnership, love of self or love in the collective. My old friends, um, Walter and Cleaver Cruz, created the Black Joy movement or were some of the founders of that movement. And to me, that was revolutionary. They were showing black people in joy on Instagram, still mm -hmm. doing it, hashtag mm -hmm. Black Joy. And it's so simple, right? Yeah. And yet it's dope, right? And to me, that was similar. similarly extremist love came from that, right? Yeah. To be a love extremist is simply to express love and joy in a place that's often darker right or often you know devoid of that yeah and so in a world where you know there's so much 
bubbling to the surface and a lot of it's oriented around anger and fear and destruction where we can be in love is a really beautiful and powerful opportunity yeah and to me that's activism to me that's a responsibility we all can hold and it's certainly one that I've taken on personally and I appreciate you being open to doing this with me and I hope I didn't force you too much you to didn't no I'm excited to talk to you good um and 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 I also am excited to let the world know that because I also have been quiet, right? Yeah, you and, have. And so in in like a social way, I've I've shared with family and friends, and certainly in my intimate circles, and you have too. Uh-huh. Um, and there's opportunity to be as someone that maybe is also semi-public facing in the projects that I do. There's an opportunity to be more articulate about that. So. I want, as we come to a wrap up time, I want to thank you for being vulnerable and open and, and coming in and having this conversation with me. And I also want to just like, like radiate out and honor, like you and I are exploring this dope <laughs> partnership lens through which love can express itself and sharing that with the world. And that's, that's revolutionary and, and an act of activism and an act of joy and, and something that I really believe I'd like to see more of in the world. I hope that we can continue to do it and maybe inspire others to do so as well. I, I hope that too. And I hope that not to inspire people, but I hope that people can see that like love doesn't have, there are no rules. That True. sounds very trite, but um, you don't have to know where it's going. Yes. And you can still relish it and enjoy it fully and completely, maybe even more. And I feel really lucky that I get to do that with you. And I love you. I love you too. Thank you. <laughs> okay, back to business. <laughs> How do people find you on the internet? <laughs> Um, you can find me at holisticism, holisticism.com, or you can follow my personal social Ooh, medias, better okay. by Michelle on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm Ethan Lipsitz, L-I-P-S-I-T-Z on Instagram. Maybe by the time people download this, they'll see a picture of me on your Instagram. Right? Maybe she'll make it. Oh. And um, <laughs> also, uh, can you share your favorite love song to take us out? I have two. Uh oh. I know. <laughs> Who's got the mashup? Um, my favorite love song is Lilac Wine by Nina Simone. Ooh, that is an incredible song and an incredible singer. Thank you. Mm-hmm. What's yours? Oh, man. Right now? I, I don't know the cool name of it, but it goes Darling, you gave myself all I need, all I need to make. Darling, you. It's like a soul song. I can figure it out. I thought it was going to be the Aretha Franklin. You said I made wine from the lilac tree. Strong. All right, well, let's drop some Nina. Michelle, thank you for being here and doing this with me. Makes me see what I want to see. See you in the outer nets. Peace. What I want to be. When I think more than I want to think. Do things I never should do 
I drink much more than I ought to drink because it brings me back you.